0: This passage, of course, uh, we've mentioned over the last several services that we, when we come to Jeremiah chapter number three and verse number one, we are at the uh, last part, if you will, of Jeremiah's first uh, message to Judah, the southern tribe. Uh, of the nation of israel when when you read this passage and you uh, see the word israel it's not speaking about the unified nation of Israel but rather the uh, northern part of Israel Uh the, you know after uh, solomon's reign that the that the uh, kingdom was divided. The northern part claimed the name Israel and they had their kings and Judah was the southern uh, part of the kingdom that split and they had their kings. Israel had wicked kings and Judah had a combination of good kings and wicked kings. One of those uh, kings is mentioned in verse number six where we'll pick up our reading uh this uh, evening and pick up the message this evening where the Bible said, the Lord said also, unto me in the days of Josiah the king. Uh, this was a king that uh, we, would reckon, we, would, we would recognize and call uh, one of the better kings of the, of the uh, nation of Israel. And uh, we see uh, Judah, rather. We see Josiah mentioned, and we know about how Josiah tried to do uh, that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And so the word that we're gonna be looking at tonight came in the days of Josiah's reign. But we've been noticing in the last several weeks out of this passage and beginning in verse number one, where the Bible gives that hypothetical situation about a man putting away his wife, her going from him and becoming the wife of another man. And that question is, shall he return unto her again? Uh, That the sin polluted the land and uh, God is giving that question knowing that the answer scripturally was no, that the man could not uh, have that wife again and yet God is saying in verse number one that Judah has done worse than that hypothetical situation, as bad as it is, but yet God still desires for the children of God, though they have cheated on him, though, using the words of verse number one, they have played the harlot with many lovers, though if they have stepped out of their devoted relationship with God, God still says, I want you to return. And so we've been looking at the subject of cheating on God, and we saw in verse number one, it's reality. The Bible said in verse number one, Thou hast. And that was a declarative statement, not a statement of questioning, but a statement of reality. Tell them where they were, that that wasn't just a hypothetical situation, but he gave that hypothetical situation, he gave that question to point them and pinpoint for them their sin against God. We saw it was a scriptural reality. We saw that it was a sad reality, amen. Uh, so the first thought that we looked at, the first point, if you will, was its reality. And then on Wednesday night, we began to look at the second point, the second thought of not only its reality, but its results. Verse number three, we began looking at verse number three on Wednesday night and really just looked there uh, throughout the course of the message. But the Bible says in verse three, Therefore, the showers have been withholden and there had been no latter rain and thou hast a horse forehead. Thou refusest to be ashamed. We see the word therefore is indicating results. In other words, what he's saying is, is Judah, because of your sin, these things, these results, have happened to you and happened to your nation because as we know that Wednesday night God does not bless sin. God will chastise us for our sin. God must punish sin. He cannot turn a blind eye to the sins of his people. Amen. And if you're sinning consistently and uh, God is is not chastising you and you're not under conviction about that, the Bible tells us that you and I need to make our calling and election sure. Amen. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, uh, the Bible said, under the inspiration of God, uh, the Bible said that Hebrew writer said that God will chasten those that he is. that's a promise amen from God, if you're a saved child of God, living in sin, and there's no conviction that the, the fact of the matter is, the Bible said there in Hebrews 12, if you be without chastisement you're bastards and not sons amen, uh, that's not custom denied, amen, that word means illegitimate child, amen means you're, not a, you're claiming to be a child of God, but you're not a child of God at all, if there is no conviction friend, you're a child of the devil, amen God chastens his children, amen. He He doesn't punish the devil's youngins, but he will punish his own, amen. He will chastise his own. And that's what we fight in verse number 3 these children of Israel the children of God have known the Lord they've walked with God they've followed the statutes of God they know what it is to worship Him they know what it is to have the one true God as their God and even as their national God think about that I do believe that We live in a nation that has been very blessed because of our nation's respect toward the things of God. I don't believe, I'm not going to be the preacher that tells you, well, all of our uh, founding fathers were Christians. If you know history at all, you know that's not so. Amen. But those men in that day were very respectful toward the things of yes, God. And many of them believed, even though they did not necessarily believe all the tenets of this Bible, they believed that if you honor the word of God and you honor the, if you honor the Lord, uh, that God would bless the nation, amen. And I'll say this, I still believe that the book of Proverbs says that God is the one, the Bible said righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, amen. This nation of Judah, when they were in Sin. The Bible said it defiled, it polluted their land. Amen. And I believe that our sin, uh, especially as the children of God, are polluting our land because we know what's right, but yet we rebel against God, and we are causing a stain upon our nation. Amen. But the Bible talks about how their sin had some results that came along with it. Wednesday night, we saw two of three of them that's mentioned in the text. We saw number one, according to verse number three, their infidelity, their cheating on God resulted in the showers being restrained. He said verse three, therefore the showers have been withholden and there have been no latter rain. Those former rains and those latter rains representing God's blessings, God held back the blessings because of their sin but then not only did uh, did their infidelity against the Lord result in the showers being restrained, but then it it also resulted in their shame of being refused. The Bible said in verse number three, and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed. Jeremiah, there on the inspiration of God, is using the uh, picture of a prostitute and the unashamedness that comes along uh, with that practice. And how they talked about their blatant, audacious sin, that sin of unashamedness that they could sin and not even bet an eye at it, not even be bashful at it, not even blush at their sin, amen, and that's the condition that Israel had been in and that was the condition that Judah was in, amen, and I'll say this I think that's also uh, where we are many times in our churches, amen I I think we can see America in Jeremiah chapter number 3, amen I believe we live in a nation that no longer even blushes at their sin amen, they'll put it out in public they'll display it, amen and they expect you to just be okay with it they expect preachers to never preach against it, amen, they expect Christians to never say anything about it. Amen. Don't be surprised, young person, if you want to live in sin and you want to publicize your sin. If you have a godly mom or dad or a pastor that's worth anything or a Christian friend that walks with God, Amen. If you have that in your life, don't be surprised that somebody sees you in sin and wants to say something about it. Amen. We we need to be we need to get back to the place where we where we're ashamed of our sin. Right. Let that shame bring us to repentance, amen. Wow. Paul said, godly sorrow worketh repentance, amen. And I believe we ought to have sorrow over our sin. I believe we need to get back to not only uh, having tears, uh, tears shed over all sinners, but tears being shed over our own sin, amen. So we saw that uh, the first result was that the showers were with strain. The second result was the shame. Their shame was refused. But then uh, notice this, we see in verse number six, the third and final result of our text is it caused their sister, and I'm gonna describe that here in a minute, their sister to be a reflection. Notice what the Bible said in verse number six. The Bible said, The Lord said unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Now, Jeremiah is receiving this message that God intends for him to speak to the kingdom of Judah. Is that not right tonight, amen? He was a prophet to Judah, the southern tribe. But notice the question of God uh, to Jeremiah the prophet. He said, hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel Uh hath done? You preach to the southern tribe, but I have a question for you. Did you see what the northern tribes have done? Do you see the sins that they have been engaged in? And the Bible describes what is going on in Israel, continuing on in verse number six. He said, she is gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there have played the harlot. If you know anything about your Bible, these high mountains are in other places of Scripture are called the high places. These green trees in other places in Scripture are called the groves. They are the the high places and the groves are used throughout uh, the Old Testament to describe the places of idol worship that existed in Israel and often at times in Judah as well. These high places, these high mountains uh, represent the places where uh, Judah and Israel would be involved in their idolatry. These high places were where their altars to their idols were. And so when the Bible said, thou hast gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, uh, they are willingly choosing to go to places that have been established for idol worship. Now, you would say, uh, I believe that a, that a child of Israel, I believe that a child of Judah should know better than to go to these places and whether they are designed to worship false gods. But I'll say this for you if you and I look down our super spiritual nose at uh, Judah and look down our nose at Israel, that they should have known better about being engaged in idol worship and letting idols come in their life and having other gods in their life, then what? in the world do we have to say to our churches that do the same thing? Yeah, that's right. Amen. That's yeah. right there's no sin. You know, I've read commentaries about Hebrews chapter number 10. Uh, that tar, uh, Hebrews chapter number 10 That uh, verse number 26. It talks about if we sin willfully. After that we've received the knowledge of the truth. There remains no more sacrifice for sins. Amen. I've read commentaries on that verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. Amen. I've preached on it. I love preaching on it. Y'all never heard me preach on it, but I love preaching on that verse. Amen. And uh, as a young preacher, that text uh, was one of my sugar stick message, amen, I carried it everywhere I went and, and preached all that willful sin, amen, but I've read a bunch of commentaries and they say well that sin is just a, is just a child of God sinning on purpose Oh, friend, that's not what that passage told me about. The Bible there is talking about the sin of apostasy, turning your back completely on the Lord, walking away as the Jews did uh, that had uh, once been Jews and then uh, tried Christianity out a while and said, I'm going back to the sacrifice. That's what it's talking about. You said, preacher, where do you get that conclusion? Because every sin is a sin on purpose. That's right. Yeah. Have you ever sinned by accident? <laughs> you didn't mean to, <laughs> guess what? It's not very much of a sin. Amen? Amen. <laughs> For you sin against God, it involves your will. That's right. yes. It involves your wicked heart choosing to rebel against the Lord. That's what makes it a sin. Amen. Amen. And uh, so when it talks about this, these sins here, these uh, going to the high places and going to the high mountains and the green trees, those groves, it was something they did on purpose. It was a sin because they chose to do it and so oftentimes, you and I will choose our sin, our pet sins over God, we'll choose whatever those pet sins are that we've made idols out of, amen you may say well I don't worship idols you may not have an idol of clay you may not have a calf of gold but friend you've got your pet sins and many times i have as well that we sometimes want to run to those sins that we want to coddle instead of getting them under the blood and forsaking them and repenting on them, amen, we'll bring it down to The altar, and we'll say a couple of words of a a prayer, and we try to feel sanctified and separated. But then when we turn around and go back to our seat, we pick up our idol with us, and we take it back, and we uh, worship that idol all throughout the week. And we have so many idols, amen, that that we worship and that we spend time with. We don't have any business looking down on Israel tonight. Amen. But as, as we have already preached, it is a reality to us that we are prone to have those idols and to worship them. But the Bible talks about uh, them and talks about have you seen what Israel has done? They have have went to, notice this word, gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree. Uh, It wasn't just that they chose to go to those places of idol worship and they chose one of them. They took time to go to every single one of them God is saying everywhere you go, everywhere you look, there's a place to worship an idol, you choose to do it every time. That's what Israel's involved in in verse number six. Notice verse number seven tonight. The Bible says, and I said, after she had done all these things, God says to Jeremiah, after she has chosen to worship idols, everywhere she can the whole nation doing it you know the nation that God birthed out of his own heart the nation that he brought out of Egypt's bondage, the nation that he allowed to cross the Red Sea, the nation that he provided manna and quail for in the wilderness, the nation that he said you are going to be the apple of my eye, the nation where God promised them an inheritance and God promised them that they would never fade from the faith of the earth that their descendants would be as the sands upon the seashore and the stars of the sky the only nation that has ever had a covenant like the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter number 12 where the God of heaven said I will bless them that bless you Amen. and I will curse them that curse right. you God put a special blessing on this nation and God said after that blessed nation after that nation that I have chosen to set my name there and to be named among them Amen. That nation I've already decided is going to be the nation my son, my only begotten son is going to come through and be identified with. Amen. The nation that I've already got it planned in the book of the Revelation is going to be saved today, a day and God's going to save them as a nation. The only nation of the world that God has ever offered eternal salvation to them as a nation, as a political power. Yes. Yes. After they've chosen with all of those blessings. <laughs> the sin against God, the God that blessed them and honored them and gave them a preferred place among all the other nations of the world. They, they chose to sin against them everywhere they could. God said this, and I said, after she had done all these things, notice what he said, turn thou unto me. Amen. When we look at Jeremiah chapter number 3 we cannot help but see the grace and mercy of the almighty God. That's Amen. right. Aren't you glad that God, when we mess up and we're, our, we're, we're tattered and we're, 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 we're just mixed up in sin, that God does not throw us away, amen. amen? That God doesn't say, well, I've seen all that you've done. I've heard all that you've said. I've seen the blackness of your heart. And I know that I offered you salvation, but I think I'm gonna take that back. I think you deserve hell for what you've done. And I'm gonna cast you into the lake of fire for what you've done. I'll back up and say this, God would be righteous and just in doing that, amen, if he chose to do that, but aren't you glad God gives us opportunity after opportunity to turn back to him to get it right, amen. I'm glad that when I get it wrong, God allows me to get it right, amen. Amen. I bless his name tonight for the privilege to turn back to him when I've messed up in sin. I believe you should as well. I believe the church should be much louder than we are tonight, amen. Wow. I believe we should be rejoicing much yeah. more than we are, amen. I believe the folks listening at home should be shouting so loud we should yeah. be able to hear it in the church tonight, amen. amen. Uh, that God would not throw us away. Your preacher has done some things where God should have thrown me away a long time amen. ago. But I bless his name tonight that he has it. Amen. amen. I give him glory in his house tonight yeah. for being good to this whole boy yeah. and being good yeah. to each and every person amen. here tonight. Thank hey, God, we can get it right, hallelujah, He said, turn, thou unto me. <laughs> what a glorious, wonderful, holy ghost statement we find there, but then notice the next one. After all she's done, God said, return again to me, but she returned not. It. Following what I see is one of the most glorious statements in this chapter we find one of the most heartbreaking statements in this chapter. He offered Israel the opportunity to get it right, and she refused. I wonder how many people in our churches have been offered time and time again the opportunity to get it right, but he returned not. She returned not. They returned not. Let me ask you tonight, Are you you messed up in sin? Is there sin between you and the Lord? If there's sin between you and the Lord, the cry of God's heart is return, turn thou unto me. Can I encourage you tonight? Don't be like Israel. Don't be like that northern tribe that returned not. Notice what the Bible said happened. I'm getting to my point here in a minute. But notice what the Bible said Israel returned not. And here's another heart-wrenching statement. Notice this. And her treacherous sister, Judah, Mm. saw it. I've talked about that the result of giving in to sin and cheating on God and letting those idols build up in your heart and life would be that the showers of God's blessing would be restrained, that the the, uh, shame of our sin would be refused. But then we see that in this verse that God allowed the sister of Israel, Judah, uh, to be a reflection of the sin that you find in Israel. Can I say this this evening? You will not sin and not take somebody else down with you. That's right. Everywhere you go, somebody is watching you, especially if you're a Christian. You you claim to be a Christian. People know you go to church. People know you read your Bible. People know that you believe in Jesus and you claim to be saved. What you're doing when you tell people that is you are giving them an all-access pass to view your life. I had a pastor tell me one time uh, that I sat under as a young as a young boy, I guess a younger man, uh, before I met, went to my home church and, 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 uh, and before my pastor, Joey Wampler, became my pastor. Another church I went to as a younger teenager, our pastor brought us in and I was preaching at the time and we had several preachers uh, in the church, about, probably about seven of us or so, six or seven of us, and so the pastor took time. He didn't teach a Sunday school class, It's plenty of classes. So when he came to the church and he'd just been there a couple of years when he came to the church, he didn't take a Sunday school class. Uh, he, he would study in his office. He would attend uh, the adult class or whatever the case, situation that he needed uh, that morning. Uh, but, but he eventually did. He saw the need of how many young preachers were in the church. And he said, he said, guys, I'm gonna teach a young preachers class. Every Sunday morning, us young preachers met with our pastor. And he, he taught us about the ministry. And he made this statement to us in that class and I wrote it down uh, as a probably 13 year old boy and I'm, I've never forgotten it. He, and he applied it to preaching but I believe uh, that it should be applied to us as well as Christians. The whole statement was this. He said, uh, we as preachers live in glass houses and you need to be careful who you throw stones at. And, uh, and, and, but I thought about that first part. We as preachers live in glass houses. You have every right to observe my life and and, and see if it is befitting of a child of God. You have every right to ask me about my walk with the Lord. And I hope that that the ministry that we do here is evidence of someone that's walking with God and seeking God's face and has the power of God on their life. But as a preacher, I, I don't have as much as much uh, secrecy or as as much uh, privacy as others do. Amen. Uh, I believe that church members ought to be able to come by the preacher's house. Amen. And me and my wife we've talked about it. When we get moved close we encourage all of you to. Amen. Amen. Come by see us. Let us love on you. Let us minister to you. Amen. Let's have parties over there. Amen. <laughs> just have good times with fellowship and have a cookout. Amen. Brother Tommy, bring some steaks and we'll have a good cookout over there sometime. Amen. And, and just enjoy being uh, uh, the family of God, amen. amen. Praise the Lord, amen. Uh, but, but preachers don't uh, get to enjoy as much privacy as many others do because our lives are being observed. Our lives are being critiqued. My wife, my children are always gonna be living in a glass house where they're under the microscope of the world as people say, if that's what a Christian should be, then I'm going to observe this and observe this and see what a Christian's all about. And I believe that applies to just more than preachers, amen. You claim the name of Christ on your job, everybody on your job is going to be looking at you. They're going to be watching you, amen. And I'll say this, I have seen it, I have known it. I'm thinking of a young preacher right now uh, that he had a pastor in his life uh, that got messed up in sin. He had a pastor in his life that had to walk away from the church and resign the church because of a public sin in his life. And it, it, it messed the family up, tore the family families in the church up, amen. And I'm thinking of a young preacher right now now that is no longer in the ministry because his pastor failed. he quit preaching he laid his Bible down walked away from the ministry because it caused such a conundrum in his life if that pastor that I love and respect and really for, for this young man I'd probably idolized if he can fall I don't have any business even getting started Don't don't tell me that there's not going to be folks in your life that are going to be Mm reflections. I'll say this. it It is a great thing if you walk with God to be able to invest in someone and to be able to see fruits of the Spirit that you have exuded in your life now being implemented into them. The faith that you have now being instilled in them. That's a wonderful thing and as glorious as that is, it can also go the other way. You fall in sin, you can mess a lot of people up. If you're not faithful, you can hurt a lot of people. There'll be there'll be many people that'll get out of the church if we fall. Amen. All of the leaders in the church, from this preacher around the room, all of you men, you don't realize what uh, what your uh, what your faithful walk with God does for your wife, for your children. Those are the leaders in here. If we fall, chances are this church might not make it. Right yeah. amen. I believe God can be faithful. I believe God can preserve and thank God he has. Ministries have been, uh, been brought through, great tragedy. But I'll say this, we ought to never say, well, if something happens to me, everything's gonna go on as normal. Mm-hmm. Amen. There's no telling how many people we could hurt, no telling how many people could walk away from the things of God if we don't remain faithful. I mentioned it this morning, the ministry that we have is a critical ministry. Amen. I don't care what, and I thank God for our governor, but I don't care what governors of other states say, this is an essential service. Yes, sir. Right. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. I, I've, I've told you guys before, so goes the home, so goes the church, so goes the church, so goes the world. Right. If our families aren't strong, our churches won't be strong. If our men aren't strong, our churches won't be strong. And if our churches aren't strong, then there's no hope for the world around us, amen. That's the right. church must be faithful. The church must stand right. The church must be uh, must be where they need to be with God at all times or else. There's no hope for the world if the church won't stand. That's right. Amen. Right. That's right. Amen. The Bible says that Israel sinned. Israel refused to get right, and her sister metaphorically these two uh, these are two halves of the same kingdom represented here by a sisterhood. Israel, Judah being sisters said that the sister saw it. Notice what the Bible says that the sister saw it. How many of you in church tonight have siblings? Y'all can raise your hand. Just a little bit of participation. I think everybody. Anybody in here an only child? Yeah. <laughs> right. right, amen, amen. Yeah. Be careful yeah. if your siblings are in the room, brother, amen. <laughs> that means he just denied every last one. <laughs> amen. Well, y'all smack on him later after service, amen? You have my permission to do it in the house of God, amen? I thank God, amen, what you do, amen? I'm just play. amen. Do it outside, praise the Lord, amen. But think about this, and this happened to me before as well. I don't know how many of you know much about my family. I've shared it before, but not really in much detail. I have, a, I have an older brother that's two years older than me. Many of y'all have met him. He's been here at the church, came for homecomings and things like that. I have a brother that's two years older than me, and I also have a twin sister. And uh, and uh, my my older brother and my twin sister, those are the only siblings I have. Uh, you know, God bless my sister. She had two brothers, amen, but I got one of each, amen. And uh, I was in the middle so I had the best of both worlds. They, it seemed like they were always at each other's throat, but they all loved me, amen? So I enjoyed my childhood. But I'll say this, I was a younger sibling, and uh, many times as younger siblings, we siblings will uh, we'll copy our older siblings, amen? Is that not right? And uh, Brother Lewis said this afternoon, Brother Lewis Stankwitz told uh, Wyatt, said that, or talked talk about Joey to us, and he said, Joey's smart, He'll just learn to watch what his brother does and do the opposite of it, amen? And those of you young siblings, amen, if you didn't get as many uh, whippings as you should have as a child, that was the reason why, amen? That's why my wife is is the way she is, amen? She never had to get any whippings. amen? She just watched her uh, watched her other siblings and saw what they did and just didn't do it, amen? And uh, I think that's a sign of brilliance, amen? Uh, but amen, uh, the siblings copy each other, don't they? Yeah. Amen, they emulate each other. You have spout, have, especially boys, I think, amen. Uh, well, I think, I guess sisters too, amen. Uh, my, my wife, when there was things that her sister would do that uh, she wouldn't do anything that'd get her in trouble as far as I know uh, but there was things that Morgan did that she wanted to do, amen? And uh, they were five years apart. And uh, her mom has always said that she grew up a lot earlier than she probably should have because anything Morgan started, Tori wanted to start, amen? And uh, anyway, so uh, copying our siblings. I copied my brother many times, amen? And you're just around them so much and you see what they're doing and you copy them, amen? And I did it and you did it, amen? The Bible says here that there are some siblings in our passage, Uh, There are two sisters And Israel acted in one way And the Bible said that Judah saw it And then the rest of these verses Said that Judah began to follow suit She began uh, to copy her siblings, amen. And we all man, we all probably have uh, sibling stories where we, where we mimicked one of our other siblings or wanted to do something that they did and wanted to enjoy something that they might have been doing at the time and we weren't able to do. But I do hope and pray that none of us have a sibling story like Israel and Judah to, to follow our family into sin, to follow our siblings into sin and watch their wickedness and pine for it and eventually give ourselves to it. Notice what the Bible says here. Uh, the Bible says in verse number eight, the Bible said, God said, and I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed, committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah, notice this, feared not and went and played the harlot also. Judah saw what Israel did and instead of doing what a smart sibling would do and not go that direction, the Bible said that Judah began to pine for it. Judah began to fall in love with that sin and the Bible said that Judah feared not what God did to Israel. You say, you look at this passage and you say, well, preacher, how did God give Israel a a bill of divorce? The word divorce means separation. When the Bible talks about putting her away, it's literally talking about uh, casting her out uh, I, I don't know how many of you may have studied some history uh, of Jeremiah's day, but, but when God is dealing with Israel and he gives her a bill of divorce and he puts her away, he casts her out of the land and casts her into the nation of the Assyrians. Yes, captive, captive uh, to the Assyrians, that is how God put her away. By the way, God always dealt with Israel and their weakness by letting them become servants and slaves to other nations. Yes, sir. Let them become captive to other nations, amen. And Israel was put away, was cast out of her land, cast into the captivity of the Assyrians. God put her away and God uh, did that to Israel. The Bible said the southern kingdom, Judah saw what God did to Israel. And despite, the, despite how uh, how hard that was and how uh, this, what sin had done to Israel, the Bible said Judah feared not. I'll say this, there is a there is a there is something that terrifies me about people that are not afraid of God's chastisement. You know, I believe I believe that sometimes God will chasten us by the Spirit of God. I believe he'll, he'll believe he'll chase He'll chasten us, let us know that we're uh, let us know that we're in sin, giving us the opportunity to get it right. So he uses his spirit, and then I believe that God will chastise us by putting us on the shelf if we refuse to repent. God won't use you. God, God won't put His hand on you. And then, if you still refuse to repent, I believe God will put us in a sepulcher. I believe, I believe He'll take us to heaven, so we'll stop being embarrassment to His name. I've heard stories and even even in my own life, I have known people that I believe with all of my heart that God, because of their refusing to get it right, because of their fearlessness against the chastening hand of God, God took them out of this world. People that I've known personally, people that I fellowship with, I, I believe with all of my heart, God took them to heaven early because of their sin. God's not gonna bless it. God will chastise sin and it is a terrifying thing to be someone or to know someone that has no fear when you watch what God does in chasing for sin. The Bible said that Judah feared not. Israel was given a bill of divorce, but Judah feared not, but went, verse number eight, and played the harlot also. They did exactly what Israel had done, and the Bible said that it came to pass through the likeness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and uh, with stocks. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah had not turned on to me with her whole heart, but faintedly. And notice what the Bible said in verse number 11. And the Lord said unto me, said to Jeremiah, the backsliding Israel, notice this, hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. One is simply identified as a backsliding nation, while the other, the one still in the land that has not been cast, said to be a treacherous nation. God said that Israel was more justified than Judah. You say, preacher, how is that? We've read what, what, what Israel did. It was because Israel, even though they did not repent, they owned who they were. Judah feigned repentance. Judah faked it. They put on a false pretense. They they would go go and serve the Lord and they would do the things that they were supposed to do ceremonially as a Jew. But then when they walked away from the things of God, then they would go to the high places. Then they would go to the green trees, those groves, and serve their idols too. You know, Jesus said that no man can serve two masters. That's right. You'll either love the one, cling to the one, and despise the other. If Judah is giving, is giving homage and giving feigned allegiance to, uh, to the God of Israel, the, the one true God, but yet going and faithfully to worshiping idols every chance they give, that shows who their true allegiance is to. They're faking devotion to the one true God, but yet they are devotedly serving their idols, amen. If no God can, or no man can serve two masters and they'll cling to the one and hate the other, that means that the one they were supposed to be loving, the one they were supposed to be devoted to was the one that they were despising in their actions. This sister was a reflection it gives us the lesson that you and I need to be careful. You and I need to uh, need to be mindful of the fact that folks are watching us, amen, and they will reflect the sin they see in us or the righteousness they see in us. Go with me, please, this evening. I'll close with these two verses. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter number four. 1 Timothy chapter number four and verse number 12. We'll read a couple of verses and we'll be done tonight. First Timothy chapter number four and verse number 12. I wanna bring out a practical thought out of verse number 12, and when we, and Lord willing, I do plan to try to get into first Timothy again soon. It's been some time since we've been in there, and we'll eventually get to this verse. Um, but I wanna make a practical application out of verse number 12. Notice what the Bible said. Paul speaking to Timothy, a young man in the ministry, he said, Let no man despise thy youth. But notice this phrase. But be thou an example of the believers. Be an example of the believers, number one, in your words, in what you say. Number two, in your conversation. You say, preachers, that mean the same thing? No conversation here it means your lifestyle, your walk. So be an example to believers in what you say, be an example to believers in what you do. He says, be an example to believers in charity by the love that you possess, the, the Christ-like love you possess. Be an example to the believers in spirit, speaking about your human spirit, your emotions, who you are, and the way that you respond to the issues of life. Be an example to the believers in the faith that you have. Be an example to the believers in the purity that you have. Here's what verse number 12 is saying uh, we are to be a, Christians are to be a copyable people. Amen. You ought to you ought to be the example. Amen. Go with me to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. I believe this, that echoes these words. I'll read verse number eight just because I like it. Amen. While you're turning, Paul told the church of Philippi. He said, "Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just." Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now now that you're there, look at verse number nine. Those things which ye have both learned and received, you've learned them on your own, you've learned them from us, you've received them from us, you've heard, he said, you both learned and received and heard, and now look at this phrase, I have this underline in my Bible, and seen in me, Paul said. Amen. Do, and the God of peace yes, shall be with you. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter number four, verse number 12 says that we're to be an example of believers in all things. But this verse, verse number eight, says that, they, that the, the, the world around us uh, ought to know this, that uh, they ought to, uh, there, there's things they've learned, there's things they've received, there's things they've heard, and they're to do those things. But Paul adds this, uh, Holy Ghost nugget, and sing in me do. Let me ask you tonight are you a copyable Christian can someone look at your that look at your life Examine your life, the the glass house of your life, if you will. Can they look at your life and model their actions after yours? Model their attitude after yours? Model their faith after yours? Their spiritual walk with God after yours? Their physical interactions in the world after yours? And be right with God and not be in sin. Can they do that? The call upon a Christian is to be a copyable person. If no one can copy your actions and copy your uh your responses, your attitude, your words, your faith, and they they can't copy your life down to the minutest of details and still be right with God. You need to get right with God this evening. Paul said, those things that you have seen in me, those things you've observed in my life, do those, and the promise comes with it. If you'll do it, the Bible says the God of peace shall be with you. You will be in right standing with him and he will bring peace to your life. How many times have our sin brought anything other than peace? If you're saved by the grace of God and you're sinning, it shouldn't bring peace to your life. I said it before, you shouldn't be comfortable in your sin. Right? Amen. You ought to be very bothered, you ought to be very convicted. You ought to be very humbled in your spirit by God Almighty. It ought to bring you to the place where you get it right. Again, godly sorrow worketh repentance. Can someone do what you do and say what you say and act the way you act and be right with God and be the Christian they ought to be? Paul said you could do that in his life. What you say, what what is the lesson of Jeremiah chapter number three? Israel committed sin and Judah followed Judah could not copy the children of God in Israel and still be right with God. Judah could not copy Israel and not be under the chastening hand of God. It caused their sin. The results of their sin was number one that it caused uh, that it caused their the showers of God's blessing to be restrained. It caused the showers to be restrained. It caused their shame to be refused, and it caused their sister to be a reflection. Are your siblings in the in your walk with God, are they going to be blessed by watching you, or, or is their walk with God going to be blemished and tarnished by watching what you do? Let's learn this lesson from Israel and Judah tonight. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.